The title of my message this morning is called Loving People Like Jesus. I want you to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Mark, Mark the fifth chapter. Give you plenty of time to turn there. We're not going to quite start there yet, but once you turn there, then you can kind of focus back on me. So last week, we spoke a little bit about, I guess, the interesting times that we live in. Another word that we could use is kind of the crazy times that we're living in right now. Or you could say the scary times that we're living in right now. Of course, I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that the number one thing that we're living in right now is COVID. You know, do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? Is it really as serious as they say it is? Is it not as serious as they say it is? You know, coronavirus, I mean, I think in our time, uh, history timeline, it's going to be like pre-coronavirus, post-coronavirus. Like, what is, what is, the world looks different in each one. And it's definitely changed the world as we know it. Along with those things that, that are coming up with coronavirus, we have joblessness. We have people that are not working. We have hunger. We have climate change. We have war. We have inequality, poverty, education is one of those hot topics right now. Do I send my kids back? Do I not send my kids back? What are these schools thinking? You know, are they making the right choice? Are they not making the right choice? And so we have so many, I guess what I would call hot topic items that people feel really, really strongly one way or they feel really, really strongly the other way. And so you and I, as followers of Christ, and as a church body, at times what we think we need to do in order to make a difference, in order to be a light, doesn't actually line up with what we actually need to do. You know, sometimes we can kind of get caught up, and I know, you know, as, as a youth pastor or pastor or even our church, there's times when we think that the only way we can make a difference is if we pack this place out. If we have people that are, you know, going out the door, if we open up the hallway and, and we, have, we, we have the only way that we think that we may can have an impactful ministry is to be able to reach out to the masses and be able to teach the masses. Or, or there's times when we think that, you know, the only way that we're able to have an impact or we're not really ready to make an impact for the Lord unless we know what the Bible says from front to back. We have to be, we have to be masters of the Bible and we have to be wise and we, we have to know exactly what Bible verse to tell people. And unless we know our Bible front to back, we don't really think we can make a difference. There's others of us that at times we're like, well, that's not really my gift. I need the Holy Spirit to, to be a little more present in my life and give me a, a, he didn't give me that gift or I don't have that gift in order to be able to make an impact in this world. Or, or there's times when we think the, the way that we're going to make a difference in this world, the way that we're going to change this world is, is by going out and doing great works, by going out and, and, and finding the poor and finding the homeless and, and giving them everything that we have and sharing those things that, that we have. 
And then there's those of us that at times, and those of you that have social media, you know what I'm talking about. The way that we're going to have an impact in this world is by getting on Facebook or getting on Twitter or getting on Instagram or whatever social media you have and typing in my keyboard, why are you voting for that person? You're wrong and I'm right, but I'm going to win you over by typing how much I disagree with you and how wrong you are and how right I am. And that's not only on, on the politics side, it's on every side. I don't know how many times I've gotten messages, uh, you know, I, I'm on the school board here at Chapel Hill about pro-mask, you know, uh, maybe no mask. And, and, and people just, we get on social media and we type, type out the, how real things are and, and how right I am and how wrong you are. And the way that I'm looking to make a difference is by getting on there and by getting on to you and by chastising you and that's the way that I think I'm going to win you over. Doesn't work that way. Now, some of the things that I just spoke of, in and of themselves, they're not necessarily bad things. They're not wrong things. Yes, it is good to have a large ministry. It is good to have, be able to reach the masses. It is good for us to know our Bible front to back and be able to pull up Scripture whenever the time is needed. That is good in and of itself. It is good to be in tune with the Holy Spirit and knowing the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you and growing that relationship with the Holy Spirit and being able to have an impact on the world. Those things aren't bad things. In and of themselves, those are good things. But what we so times forget what we so, time, so many times get caught up in is we get caught up in those things and we forget what the main thing is. Well, what's the main thing, Brother Martin? Well, the main thing is love. That's all it boils down to. If you want to you get your Bible and you want to know what the Bible actually talks about and you want to wrap it up in one word, it is love. And, and the, Bible, the Bible actually tells us this in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. And I know many of you have heard, heard this verse many, many times, but it's always a great reminder about what the main thing is. And this is what it says. It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. I'm making a whole bunch of noise. But it means nothing because I don't have love. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all the faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. I can be the wisest person on earth. I can quote the Bible front, back, side to side. I can show you all sorts of data that, that promotes whatever it is that I believe. But it says, if I don't have love, then I have nothing. Verse 3, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. I can go out and find the homeless and I can give them all my money and I can, I can do all these great works. But the Bible says that if I don't have love, then I have nothing. 
And so whether you know it or not, this passage of Scripture that we just read, it's a passage of Scripture that is a freeing Scripture. It gives us freedom because what it tells us is that the world doesn't need us to have it all figured out. The world doesn't need us to have all the answers. The world doesn't need us to be the smartest. The world doesn't need us to prove ourselves how good we are to God. We don't need to be God's gift to God. What it does need, what the world does need, is our love. But not just our love the way we think we should love, but loving people like Jesus loved people. Because what you and I think of as love, it's marred by our heart, by our minds. So this morning, this morning, who better to learn about love from than, than the one that in all creation of mankind, there's been no one that has ever been better at loving people. There, there's, there's no one that has been, that has given up their life and, and paid a ransom so that everybody, that so whosoever in the world could be saved. So this morning we're going to take a little journey in Jesus' Christ life and we're going to learn how to love people like he loved people. We're going to take a little journey and take a look at Jesus taking the trip and watch how he radically chose to love somebody, how he radically showed somebody his love. And it, 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 he showed it to him in such a way that not only did it change that person's life, but it also changed his community's life. It also changed his family's life. It, it, it changed that community or that part of the world forever and ever and ever because of who Jesus is and how he loves. The first thing that we need to know about loving like Jesus is that we got to be looking for someone to love. We got to be looking for the next person we can invest in. We got to be looking for somebody that God puts in front of us that we can love. You know, back in, uh, back in 1966, and I know this is a pretty popular story. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard about a, a band called the Beatles. And uh, they were at the height of their popularity, and they were drawing huge crowds. And I mean, they, they couldn't go outside and shop. They couldn't go down to Burger King and eat. They couldn't do anything without these huge masses just wanting to get a picture of them, wanting to get a glimpse of them, wanting to have a little bit to do with them. And, and their, their crowds were so huge that John Lennon famously stated that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. And in a roundabout way, I guess they kind of could have been because they were drawing some huge crowds. So as, as I'm reading this, I started, I started looking at the life of Jesus and his popularity. And, and in the Bible, you know, Jesus in his three-year tour on earth, he was pretty popular himself. He was drawing some pretty big crowds himself. But the way Jesus was looking at the crowds, he wasn't looking at these people and saying, look at all these people 
that have come to see me. Look at all these people that adore me. Look at all these people that admire me. As a matter of fact, the way Jesus works, the way he looked at the crowds, he saw beyond the crowds. What does that mean, Brother Martin? He was looking out past behind them? No, he saw into the crowd. And what Jesus did, he would pick out one person in that crowd. And he would love that person. And he would make a difference in that person's life. And he would invest his life and his words and his action in that, in that one person's life. And so I kept looking at it closer and closer. And I'm not, we're not going to go into Matthew 9, but I'm going to summarize it for you. Matthew 9 is a, it's a small chapter of the Bible. And, and there's like five or six people that Jesus picks out of a crowd just in this passage of Scripture. And, and he picks them out. And he says, you're the one that I'm going to love today. Today. You're the one that I'm going to have an impact on today. You're the one that I've been looking for. Yes, there are thousands and thousands of people around you, but all those people are being drowned out because today it's all about you. How amazing is that? That we, that we have a Savior that has a love that's so radical, that's so crazy, that He picks you and He picks me out of a crowd. The, in Matthew 9, it starts off where, where Jesus look, is in front of a crowd and a, friend, a group of friends bring this guy on a, or on a cot and he's paralyzed. And Jesus looks past the crowd, drowns him out, and He says, Be healed, pick up your mat, and go home. And then we walk a little bit further in that passage of Scripture and he's walking along and he sees a tax collector named Matthew. And tax collectors, they're dirty people. You don't like those people. But Jesus drowns the crowd out and he says, Matthew, get up and follow me. And he becomes one of his disciples. And he writes one of our, one of our gospels in the Bible. And so he's, he's walking along with, with the crowd and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a preacher, a religious leader. He comes up to Jesus and he says, my daughter is dead at my house and I need you to come see about her. And so Jesus says, all right, I'm going with you. And he's walking along. Before he can get to that house, there's a woman. The Bible says there's a woman that has had a blood issue for 12 years, a blood issue. She's been sick for 12 years. She's gone to the internist. She's gone to MD Anderson. She's gone everywhere she can think of to go. And nobody's able to help her. But she knows that if she just reaches down and touches, touches the garment of Jesus, she's going to be healed. And so she does that. And the Bible says that Jesus turns around and he looks at the crowd. And he sees the crowd and he's like, some power just left me. Who did that? And then he tunes the crowd out and he, it's him and her. And she says, if I could just touch your garment, I know that I could be healed. And he tells her, your faith has healed you. Go and sin no more. But it was just him and her. The crowd was, was obsolete. And so he finally gets to the house of this religious leader and, and the crowd is following him. And the Bible says that he tells the crowd, I need you to get out of this house, get out of this room. I don't really want the crowd around me. The crowd is gone. He goes up to the little girl's bed. He grabs her by the hand and he says, get up. And she comes back to life. How awesome is that? And then it ends up. It ends up with Jesus at, at the, in the very last few verses. He's walking through the crowd and the crowd disappears again. And he sees two blind men and he heals their blindness. He heals their blindness. 
So if you and I are going to love people like Jesus loves people, in our daily lives, we have crowds that we come in contact with. Brother Martin, there's nobody following me around for my autograph. I know there's not. Nobody's following me around for my autograph. Brother Martin, I don't really have masses around me. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Do you have a job? Do you have a job with coworkers? There's your mass right there. Because I promise you, there is somebody at your job that is in a hopeless situation and they don't know where to turn and they don't know what to do. And they need somebody to drown the crowd out and look at them and say, I may not can help you, but I can, teach, I can love you the way Jesus would love you. And therefore, that can make a difference in your life. Every day we go to the grocery store. I know we all like to eat. We go to the grocery store and I promise you there's people in that supermarket that are looking to be loved. They're looking for somebody to drown the crowd out, looking for somebody to look at them and love them like Jesus loves people. We won't change the world. We will not change the world by declaring that we love everybody. The only way that we're going to change the world is by loving one person at a time like Jesus Christ did. He set the example for us. The next thing we must do if we're going to love people like Jesus, is to get over our prejudices. Yeah. Brother Martin, I'm not prejudiced. Yes, you are. Brother Martin, do you not know that we have a, a Mexican man that sounds real country that's up there giving us the Word of God every few Sundays? Oh, 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 let me be politically correct. A Hispanic preacher. Let's be politically correct. So, so that makes us not prejudiced, Brother Martin. Yeah, that may be the way you look at it, but we're all prejudiced at some point to somebody at some time. There's times when people are brought into our lives and you and I, with our eyes, we're not able to see past the stigma that may be on them. We stereotype people as soon as we come in contact with them. We think of who they are, where they're from, are they dangerous? We make preconceived notions of people that we come in contact with every day. Let's go to Mark 5, 1 through 5. Word of God says, Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, Immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him and always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. This guy right here, this guy right here, this man, he's the kind of person nobody wanted anything to do with. 
He was all alone in the world, in the mountains and in the tombs, all by himself, cutting himself and crying and, and screaming. And, and yes, he had demonic influences or powers over his life, and, and it made people scared of him, and it made people not want to have anything to do with him. But in our lives, there, there's times when we will walk a huge circle around somebody just so we don't have to deal with them or just so we don't have to mess with them because maybe they don't look like we look so we walk around them or, or maybe they're, they're poor and they're dirty and they just don't smell good and so we, we walk around them or, or maybe they're, they're just different than us or, or, or they, they have tattoos or you look at them and you think oh lord these people have probably been to jail well I got news for you you're at the wrong church if you're scared of people that have been to jail amen, amen? from the preacher on down but God. Amen. Or maybe they're not from around here. Maybe they're from different places. Or maybe they have a different belief system than you and I. Or maybe they're a different ethnicity. Whatever it is, people that are different than us, people that are different than us, they don't need us to tell them what others say about them. They don't need us to reinforce that, that they, they, they're being looked down on. They don't need us to tell them or, or, or show them that they're being shunned. What they need from us, what they need us is, is to share what God says about them, not what everybody else says about them, amen? That's what they need. That's how we love others like Jesus loves people. Amen? The next thing is that loving people like Jesus loves people, it's a messy job. It's messy. In order to love others how Jesus loves them, it takes time to get to know them. Just because you go up to somebody and you know that the Holy Spirit put it on you to talk to them and you say, let me tell you about the Lord Jesus. They're not going to say, here I am. No. It takes time. It takes effort. It's going to require you to be vulnerable enough to maybe open up to them and have them open up to you and getting involved in their lives. It requires messiness at times. It requires something from us. Let's go to Mark 5, 6 through 13 and see how, what Jesus did. It says, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshiped him and he cried out with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of, of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, come out of that man, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Can't read my own writing. Then he asked them, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There was about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea 
and drowned in the sea. What this is showing us is it's showing us Jesus getting messy. Jesus could very well go around this man and, and keep, keep doing his ministry, but Jesus uses his power. He uses his power to make a difference. And you and I, in order to love people like Jesus, we have to do the same. We have to use our privilege, our power, our wealth, our influence, our resources, whatever's been entrusted to us. We have to use it in order to love people. I, I don't have any of those, Brother Martin. Yes, you do. You live in America. We all have some of that. The Bible says that to whom much is given, much is required. The Bible says that whatever I bless you with, whether it's little or whether it's a whole lot, I need you to use those things for my honor, for my kingdom, for my glory. That's how you love people like Jesus loves people. And it's so easy for us to talk, out, talk ourselves out of doing it, out of loving others, or when the opportunity presents itself, not doing it. This week, um, on Thursday, I work for Woodman Life. We do life insurance and investments. So if you need life insurance, hey, I'm your man. Um, so we have what's called a call night, and we basically call people to go over their stuff, make sure everything's in work and order. And so one of the things that we do, or you know, sometimes we, we can, we can kind of cherry pick who the ideal client we want to go see is. And so if you have somebody that's above 85 years old, there's not too much you can do with them because they're past buying life insurance. Their investments usually are gonna be in something that's safe. So needless to say, they get shunned a lot. And so I have two clients pop up in, in, my, in my deal, and they're over 85, and so I'm like, well, I'm going to skip them. And all of a sudden, you know, the Holy Spirit just look, give that man a call. I'm like, Lord, you no, know, this is a contest. I want to win me a card. Win me some money. And it's like, call that man. And so I ended up dialing this man's phone number, and he lives in Marshall. And so um, I'm sitting there talking to him, Mr. Gardner, and I'm like, hey, how's it going? And we start talking. I'm like, how are you doing with all this? you know, coronavirus, and we just keep on talking and talking. And, and then he starts telling me his life story about, you know, his wife being sick and he's been taking care of her for 12 years and how much he loves her and, you know, kind of gets choked up. That's the love of my life. And, you know, I'm like, man, that is amazing. You know, like the love that you have for your wife and everything that you've been doing for her or that you've chosen. And he's like, you know, my kids don't come and see me. And I mean, he just starts getting into some of the messy stuff of life. And, and so then he, he ends up telling me, he's like, I sit around, Martin, and I question why God would let me be here without taking me home. Like, this is just a tough life. And so all of a sudden, I'm not worried about this. I'm not worried about winning money over here. I'm not worried about how many phone calls I'm going to make. I'm worried about this man. And so we, you know, 80-something-year-old, I'm like, well, are you saved? And he starts telling me his salvation story. And, and, and he starts lifting me up, you know. All of a sudden, I'm trying to be a blessing. I'm trying to love this man like Jesus loves people. And all of a sudden, he's loving me, and he's lifting me up. And I'm, I'm like, Mr. Gardner, the reason that you're still around and, and the reason that 
that I, that I was meant to call you is not to sell you anything, but just to tell you that out of the crowd, Jesus loves you. He sees you. He knows what you're going through. And, and one day you will be in glory with him, but the time has not come. And as a matter of fact, you have blessed me with our conversation. And before we get off the phone, he's like, Brother Martin, I love you. I'm like, I love you too. And so he's like, you're free to call me anytime. And so I programmed his, his, his number in my phone, and I'm going to call him once a month, maybe every couple weeks. Why? Because he can love me like Jesus loves people, and I can love him like Jesus loves people. But if I hadn't done away with the noise and the crowd and everything else, I never would have gotten to whatever Jesus had in, in store for me. And we spent about an hour on the phone. And, you know, my boss comes in. He's like, well, uh, how many calls did you make? I'm like, I made one, but it's the only one that counted. Amen? That's how Jesus works. You may not have the power to take unclean spirits out of people, but God's given you something in your life, and, and you can share that, and you can, you can make people see what a difference Jesus can make by loving people. Amen? Every time we can love people like Jesus by looking past the crowd and finding the one, by willing to be messy, we can leave a lasting impression of who Jesus really is, of who God is and what his love is and what a difference it can make. We're not going to do it by reasoning with people on social media. We're not going to do it by having our point of view uh, be the right point of view. Let's go to Mark 5, 14 through 20 and see what a difference Jesus picking this man out of the crowd and loving him made. It says, so those who fed the swine fled and they told it in the city and in the country and they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon possessed and had legion and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him, who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he got into the boat, he, had been, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. So because Jesus didn't look past the man, he saw him, then he was willing to go in and get messy with him. The Bible tells us that, the, that this guy is so, he, he's so in love with Jesus and Jesus had such a huge impact that he's trying to get in the boat with Jesus and he's like, I just want to be in your presence. I just want to go with you. Wherever you go, I'll go with you. And Jesus says, no, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to get out of the boat. I want you to stay here. I want you to go to your family. 
family and I want you to love your family like I've loved you because that's going to make, that's going to be a world maker, a world difference maker. And, and better yet, I want you to travel all around this, this area and I want you to tell people about me. Go home to your friends and tell them the great things that the Lord has done for you and how compassionate he is. And the Bible says he departed and be began to proclaim in Decapolis. Now Decapolis is just a region. It's actually 10 cities that this guy was going to and telling the people of those 10 cities about Jesus and what difference he made in his life. What a huge difference Jesus can make by loving people. If you're here today, if you're here today, or maybe you're listening at home, maybe, maybe you feel like the man in this story. Maybe you feel like you've been forgotten. Maybe you feel like you've been rejected. Maybe you feel ignored and judged. And I want you to know this morning, if you take nothing else, if you take nothing else out of this message, I want you to know that God sees you. God sees you even in the crowd. God sees you and he can take you and put himself, put you right in front of him and he can make a difference in your life regardless of anything else that's going on in your life. God sees you and he wants to step into your life with a healing way that only he can. Amen. For those of us that maybe aren't in that place right now, maybe we're not in that place as Christians. As the body of Christ, we need to have conversations. But we need to have conversations like Jesus. We don't need to get on Facebook and tear them up. We don't need to get on Twitter and tear them up. We don't need to walk around people. What, what we need to do is we need conversations like Jesus had conversations, and that's with our actions. Our actions will always speak louder than our words, than our typing, than anything else that can come out of our mouth. Our actions will always speak louder. We need to have conversations with our actions that spread the good news that God loves you that God values you, and that God made a way so that whosoever would put their trust in Him shall be saved, and one day you are going to be in eternity forever and ever and ever and ever, and those are the conversations we need to have. Those are the actions that we need to have. That's how we make a difference. That's how we get past coronavirus. That's how we get past the political mess. That's how we get past all those things, because the main thing is the main thing, and it'll always be the main thing, Loving other people like Jesus loved them. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Father, we love you. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I just ask that we just be encouraged this morning by the scripture that you've given us. That we be encouraged by the little trip that we've taken with Jesus of getting out of the boat and seeing somebody that was alone, somebody that was hurting, somebody that needed a friend, by willing to get messy with this person 
and seeing the impact that he not only had in this person's life, but also in those communities and in those families. Lord, I pray that you just give us a heart like yours, Lord. I pray that you would remove the crowd from our world, Lord, and allow us to look for that one that we can love, that we can get messy with, and that you can get the honor and the glory out of that situation. Lord, we pray and we ask those things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.